Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are starting a new sermon series that I'm really excited about called After God's Own Heart. And what we're going to be doing in this particular series is spending the next six weeks walking through the incredible, magnificent, and even scandalous life of the great King David to see not only what this man of God has to teach us about how to live our own lives, and he has a lot to teach us, but also to see what he has to teach us about how not to live. Because the power that we're going to find being revealed through this story is not that it contains a fairy tale about a perfect man who did everything right so then God was able to use him, but instead is a story of an imperfect man whom God used to change the world in spite of all of his flaws, which should sound very familiar to you. And I promise you, it's going to be awesome. So I hope you will join us for the next six weeks. But before we jump right into the story of King David, we need to do a bit of background work to kind of set the scene for kind of who David is and and where he fits in all this. So when you take the 30,000 foot view of what's going on in the history of the Israelite people leading up to King David, what you will find is that the Jewish people are actually coming to an end of a period where they have been governed by judges. Or very simply put, when the Israelites started settling the promised land, they didn't have a king to rule over them like everyone else did, but instead they considered God to be their king. And the way that God ruled over the people as their king was through judges. And what these judges did was they traveled all over the nation of Israel to not only judge the major cases and kind of keep the peace, but also to act as a kind of spokesperson For God to keep the Jewish people on the straight and narrow. Or if you want to learn about this particular period, open up your Bible, read the book of Judges, uh, and I promise you it's entertaining, it's crazy, it's something that you need to get into. There's a whole lot going on there. Next, what you'll find as you move on from the book of Judges into the first part of the book of 1 Samuel is the story of the great prophet and last judge of Israel, Samuel. And what we know about Samuel is that not only was he responsible for helping the Jewish people come back to God after this time of walking away, but it's also the case that under his leadership, the the tribes of Israel started to thrive again, or life got back to the way it was supposed to be. Which you would think is something that the Israelites would have been happy and content with, right? Life is good. But sadly, what you'll discover is you keep reading is that even though things are going very, very well for these people, or even though these people are living blessed lives, these people still aren't satisfied. And surprisingly, the reason they're not satisfied is because they don't have a human king to rule over them like everyone else. That's right. The reason these people are so unsatisfied, even though life is going great for them, is because like a bunch of teenagers, they are not like everyone else. Which means not only do they reject 
Samuel as their judge. But most importantly, they are rejecting God as their king. Or these ding-dongs in the midst of things going so well, tell God that they no longer need his services. And all because they want to be like everyone else. Which, which just makes me cringe. I, I can't imagine saying something like that to God. But you know what? After God warns them about what it actually means to have a human king, God, instead of getting mad or walking away from these people, actually answers their prayer by sending Samuel out to find them a king. 1 Samuel 8, 7-9 says this, And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Notice that. But they have rejected me from being king over them, just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. Now, at first, there's no doubt that this new king, King Saul, does seem to be the right man for the job because not only does he, he look the part, in that he was tall, dark, and handsome, or all that in a bag of potato chips. But it's also the case that under his leadership, he was actually able to start bringing the 12 tribes of Israel together, which helped them then to overcome many of their enemies. So no doubt, when King Saul took over, things did get a bit better. But what you'll find as you continue reading is that apparently Saul was not the right man for the job. But instead was a man who seemed to be more concerned with keeping the people happy and protecting himself than he was with doing what God called him to do. Which is why early on in the reign of King Saul, we find God rejecting or turning away from Saul. And he does this by sending the prophet Samuel back out to find himself a new king. Which then gets us to that fateful moment when Samuel shows up to choose a very unlikely shepherd boy to be the next king of Israel. And this is how it happens. 1 Samuel 16, 1-4 says this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did as the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. Now when Samuel arrives, the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Or what we find is that as Samuel arrives to this town of Bethlehem as he's on this search for the new king, is that the leaders of Bethlehem are scared that he shows up. And the reason they're scared is because when someone as important as Saul shows up, it's usually not good news. But after Samuel reassures these men that he has come in peace, he invites them to join him. 
in offering a sacrifice to God. Or in other words, he invites these men to join him in worship. That's how they did worship at that time. And among these men, and this is the important part here, are Jesse and his sons. Now, as all these men begin to arrive for worship, that's exactly when Samuel goes to work doing the very thing that God sent him to do. It says, When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. Or apparently, because David's oldest brother is such an incredible specimen, on first glance, Samuel is convinced that when he sees this guy, he has to be the one. I mean, he looks the part. He's got to be the right guy. But the Lord said to Samuel, which is what you're going to want to pay attention to. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see mortal, as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Again, really let this sink in. Do not let his appearance or the height of his stature. Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Or what God says in response to Samuel's assumption that David's older brother has to be the one because he looks the part is that it's not what is on the outside of man that makes someone great, but it's what's on the inside. So with that, Samuel continues his search. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shemaiah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Or to Samuel's surprise, because he told Jesse, you know, to invite all of his sons to the party. Even after examining all of Jesse's sons who were there, Samuel still did not find the next king of Israel. So it's with a bit of confusion that Samuel turns to Jesse and says this, are all your sons here? Or hey, what are you doing? Didn't I tell you to bring all your sons? And he says, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. Or note that, because David is Jesse's youngest boy, which in the ancient world would have made him low man on the totem pole. David doesn't even get invited to the sacrifice. Or in other words, David is so unimportant to his dad that his dad doesn't even consider inviting him to come and worship when the great prophet Samuel comes to town. So Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ready, had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. The Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. The Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Or what we find happening at the end of this strange and surprising story, and it really is strange, is that it was not the obvious one that God came looking for to be his new king. You know, the one that everyone else would have looked at and said, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. No, whom God came looking for 
was the one that everyone else had underestimated or not even considered because of what he looked like. Or to give you a bit of a better picture of why David wasn't even considered at first, it probably was the case that David was only 10 to 15 years old when Samuel shows up and anoints him as the next king of Israel. That's right. Samuel anoints a kid as the next king of Israel. And then if you want to push this even further by bringing Saul back into this equation, what you would have found is if you would have done a comparison between King Saul and David at this point in time, is that from the outside, there really would have been no comparison between these two. Because hands down, given that Saul was tall, dark, and handsome, or looked apart along with all the success that he was having, there is no doubt that on paper or based on the eye test, David as a young shepherd boy wouldn't even have been in the same league as Saul. But yet still, God chooses David over the great king Saul to be the next king of Israel because what he is made of on the inside, not what he looked like on the outside. And I'll give you a moment to ponder that. I mean, that that is foundational wisdom we all need to live by. So, what this story has to teach us, which I believe is even more important today than it was back then, given the kind of society that we live in, is that when it comes to making assumptions and even judgments about who people are and what they're capable of, you cannot judge a book by its cover. You guys know this. You've heard it a thousand times. You can't judge a book by its cover. And all because what makes a person who they are or gives them the ability to do incredible things with their lives really has nothing to do with how attractive they are or what kind of clothes they wear or even what color or nationality they are. No, what really matters is who a person is on the inside or what's going on in those places that you can't see. And all because what is going on here or what is going on in people's hearts is what gives them the ability to live into the incredible lives that God has created them for. Which also means in a society where you are going to be judged based on what you look like, there's just no way around it. That's the world we live in. You can't listen to what others say about you. And that you're not good enough, or big enough, or skinny enough, or old enough, or smart enough, or whatever it is that someone has said to you. No, you have to go with what it is that you have in here. Or more importantly, you have to go with who it is that God created you to be in the first place. And all because that is where you're going to discover that God really did create you to do incredible things with your life. God really did create you to do incredible things with your life. And if you don't believe me, or if you think I'm just using one of these cliches because we say it to make everybody feel good, I dare you. To just take a month and stop listening to all those haters out there that tell you what you can't do or who you're not. And also take a month to stop listening to those voices that run on repeat in your head telling you how horrible you are, how you can't do things. And instead, start listening to your heart telling you who God created you to be in the first place. And see what happens. Just See what happens. Because I promise you, and as this story reveals, 
It really doesn't matter what you look like. It really doesn't matter what's going on out here or what others think. If you will strive to do and become who it is that God created you to be, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that can stop you, that can hold you back. Or what we find being revealed in this story of a 10 to 15 year old boy being called by God to become the next great king of Israel is that it really isn't about what you look like. It really isn't about what you have on the outside. Or what makes you great is what's on the inside. And God, in turn, has created all of us for greatness. We just have to learn to listen. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning uh, grateful again for this book, this Bible, these stories that teach us so much about who you have called us to be. And so today, oh Lord, we ask that you would open us up to see that it really is the case. That you're not a God who cares about what's going on on the outside. You're not a God who judges by appearances like everyone else does. But you are a God who knows that what makes us who we are is what's on the inside. So help us, O oh Lord, as your people, first of all, not to be um, the kind of people who judge others based on what they look like, which is really, really hard to do because it's kind of how we're trained. But then also, O oh Lord, help us to be the kind of people who don't listen to what others have to say to us, but instead listen to our heart or listen to that place inside of us that tells us that we have been called to greatness. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.